Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we're opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. We're so glad to have each of you with us, and as we launch into a new month, we like to look at a new theme here. We kind of do those on Fridays, and this is the spring, and spring brings all kinds of ideas and life and hope, and what we want to talk about this month on these Friday lessons is tips for marriage. And this is a, the beginning season where people are getting married, March, April, May, and June. Those are busy months, and a lot of people get married during those months. And so we thought we'd just spend some time uh, this month uh, just taking off layers and talking about this very idea of tips for marriage. In a lot of areas, we, we, we get advice. We want tips. If you're kind of new at gardening, you may ask somebody, well, how do you get roses to grow so well or cooking or even in golf? They, you know, well, get, give me a tip here. And, and we do that in lots of areas of life. And sometimes we just need to be honest and get help when it comes to our marriages and to see how essential that is. Between Jason and I sitting across this table here, we have 70 years of marriage between us. Wow. That's a long time. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean we know anything. It's just that it's been a long time. And our, our tips for marriage really doesn't come from our life experiences, but from the Bible. And that's where we want to park it because God is the one who began marriage. It was God who told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. He was the one who had the wedding and, and the marriage. And so, uh, we sometimes get the idea that this is something man evolved to, but it's not true. This is something that came from God. And so nobody knows more and understands this more importantly than God does. And so that's where we're going to go. And so today, as we kind of launch this, a little series here. We want to talk about the value of having faith in God in your marriage. Uh, that should be the first place we begin. It should be the foundation because upon that, we will build our homes. And so the, the faith, not just that one of us believes, but that both of us believes in God. That makes a huge, huge difference. I know in Jason's marriage and in my marriage, both of our wives are Christians, and what a difference that has made. We're both Christians, and what a difference that makes. And so that's where we're going to kind of look at today and kind of talk about some of these things. Yeah, when I think of this faith and the impact that it can have on a marriage, really it is the foundation of everything. And that flows in tandem with the way Jesus concluded his great sermon on the Mount, right? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And just because you or hopefully both of you are people of faith doesn't mean that that will keep the rain from falling or the floods from rising or the winds from blowing and beating on the house of your marriage. But it's not going to fall because it's built on the rock, built on a foundation of faith, and you just cannot put a price tag on that sort of foundation. Absolutely. And, you know, all couples will, will go through things. There'll be periods of time when the budget's very tight and jobs are shaky. There are times when you're having to go to the funeral home for somebody in the family. There's times when there's crisis with the kids. I mean, they're, 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 that's just normal life, and all of us go through that. But the huge difference is 
not only that one is a believer, but that when you're on the same page, when you have this understanding between each other, this is the direction we're going to go because this is what God says. That that just is a huge plus in your marriage. And so we want to begin in the book of First Peter chapter 3. Here, Peter addresses the husband and wife and says lots of things about this concept of marriage. So begin in verse 1. It says, In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. And immediately we notice two things. He he begins, as this chapter says, in the same way. And that makes us think, well, in what way? <laughs> well, and that takes us back up to chapter 2, where throughout chapter 2, he would talk about how uh, the servants were to obey their masters, even if they were unreasonable and unkind, he says in verse 18. He talks about Jesus suffering and leaving an example for us. And then he's carrying that over in the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands. Uh, sometimes the situation isn't as it should be, but God has some credentials he wants us to see. And so Peter immediately begins by saying, you know, you've got one in the fam- one in the marriage who's a believer, one's not, and he just doesn't leave it there. We need to get both of you to be believers, and that should be an urgent thing that we see in our marriages. And and right away, we want to speak to our listeners about that. If if your husband or your wife is not a Christian, we need to be working upon that. It begins with your prayers. It begins by inviting them to come to services. And, and if that's too much to start with, then just how about we read some verses together, just in our home, and we start reading some verses. So important to begin that concept. Now, Peter continues this in verse 2 as he talks about if the person will not be won by the word of God, they're not going to listen to preaching. Then he says in verse 2, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Again, it's showing the the criteria of what God wants within a marriage. Your adornment must not merely be external, the braiding of the hair, wearing gold jewelry, and putting on of dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. So, so what Peter's bringing out is the qualities, the qualities of Christ, the qualities of godliness and honesty and, and truthfulness. These are the things that's going to make a difference in a marriage, and those are the things that's going to be noticed. I mean, you might notice a pretty dress. Sure, that's fine. That's just for a moment. But he's talking about this is the way a person conducts themselves and carries them about. He continues in verse 5, For in this way, in former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Just as Sarah, verse 6, obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children if you do what is right without becoming frightened by any fear. You husbands, now he switches the gears here. You husbands, in the same way, remember how this chapter began? In the same way. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. There's a couple praying. There is a couple that's worshiping together. And so so we begin as we think about the tips for marriage. Uh, if you, t- you could talk to somebody who's, who's been married a long, long time, and you'd ask them for some advice. How, how have you been married 50 years? How do you get married 60 years? How do you do that? One of the first things they're going to tell you is that you both have faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, so much of this has to do with conduct. That's the the word that the English Standard Version 
uses as it translates this idea. And it it really does go back into chapter 2 where we are reminded as Christians, once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. And as God's people, that filters all the way into our homes, right? Into our marriages, the way that we treat each other. He says in in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct honorable. And in this context, he's talking about among the Gentiles, and there's an example of perhaps when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. But so much of this section of Peter's letter is all about conduct uh, around unbelievers, conduct uh, beneath the civil authority, conduct as servants with their masters. And then, Roger, like you said, the word likewise or in the same way just continues the thought in chapter 3. It matters how wives conduct themselves. It matters how husbands conduct themselves. And the reason that faith matters so much is that provides an objective standard, right? It's not just, well, this is what I think, and this is the way that I would reach this conclusion. Uh, It's not a, a matter simply of personal preference or individual opinions. It is the faith that provides the standard by which our conduct is to be measured and, and aligned. And what we're trying to, what we're trying to impress upon you is it's not just a matter on Sunday mornings we go to church. Right. It's the idea that faith will define our life. Faith is, is the way we see life. And, and so through that faith, <clears throat> all of our choices, our conduct, everything is filtered through that. And, and so as you go through life together as a husband and wife, there are going to be things that come up. And when you're on the same page spiritually, uh, you'll find times that we just need to pray right now. We need to pray about this situation. Well, if one doesn't believe in prayer, one doesn't even think there's a God, uh, th- that's just going to be a lone road for that one person. It's going to be a difficult thing. There are, there are issues in our spiritual life where being on the same page is so important. When you think about how much you're going to contribute on a Sunday morning, being on the same page is important. Uh, hospitality, having people in your home or going out with people, being on the same page is important with that. How engaged you are in the congregation, how active you're going to be. Uh, again, when you're, when you're together and you're on the same page, it just flows smoothly. I know, I know for a fact, Jason, you guys have had people in your home all the time. And, and that's because you and Shelly are on the same page about these things. And well, and without Shelly, that, that just wouldn't happen the way that it does. And I know you would say the same thing about Debbie, that hospitality is such a team effort. And Roger, it's hard for me to imagine if I was on my own or you were on your own, what that hospitality would end up looking like when it comes to food or or, or something like that. But um, 
This this is a, a an area where when you're yoked together and you're pulling in the same direction, I, I think just a couple of weeks ago, Roger, you shared in a, a episode of the podcast, I think it was a Monday and maybe it had been a really busy weekend for you and you just felt like staying in the recliner, but Miss Debbie made some food and said, I'm heading here, would you be willing to go with me? And And, and that's exactly the the synergy that can come from a marriage built on faith together. Yes, and there are there are times in life that, that we wish we could just hit the fast-forward button, just go right through it and <laughs> not, but, but we have to go through. And so heavy, heavy subjects such as the raising of children, yeah. the discipline of children, uh, death. How do you look at those things? Now, by faith— we see that defined. By faith, we see God's answers to those things. Uh, but when we're not on the same page, uh, the, the struggles with that and, and the difficulties of that, we we have gone through in, in our marriage the death of both of my parents, uh, the death of grandparents, and and you know that the know that that your mate is there, your mate understands, your mate is on the same page with you and God. What a support that is, and what a help that is. And and th- there are times when uh, you know you got to be together with your children, and and you're going to have to say this is this is the line we're drawing, and and you know you guys have to act this way. And again, to, to not be on that same page, faith is, is the difference that makes all that. And so we're talking about being one spiritually, and that is just essential. You know, one, one of the closing uh, sentences in the book of Nehemiah, as it talks about the, the times that Nehemiah lived in, it refers to Solomon, the wisest man in the Old Testament. And it talked about his marriages to foreign women and said, even Solomon sinned. And the idea is that they pulled his heart away from God, and he started worshiping idols. And that just introduced a whole line of idolatry that followed Israel because of that very act. And so he and his wives, which was a problem right there, he and his wives were not on the same page. And that will always introduce some difficulties and some struggles. So one of the greatest tips is learning to be on the same page spiritually with your mate. Yeah, yeah. I am thinking about how to make that practical. You, you know, what what does it look like to be on the same page spiritually, or what does it sound like? I can't help but think of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, where Paul gives us some words, I think, that really— Maybe we can carry with us into the weekend. What does it look like to be on the same page spiritually? Well, he says, whatever is true, faith defines for me what is true, right? Whatever is honorable. Uh, there are going to be times when it's very easy for either husband or wife or both at the same time not to act very honorably. But again, the the faith aspect gives an objective standard. Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And when we put that in the context of a home, those sorts of things ought to form the atmosphere of a marriage, right? You want a marriage that honors and glorifies God. 
fill the air with what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. If it's not those things, then there needs to be a filter, right, between those unholy things and your heart, those unholy things and your marriage. That's the sort of atmosphere you want to raise children in, right? If you want children to grow up and bring their own best to God, well, they need to grow up breathing the air of what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise But Roger, you know just as surely as I know, this is a lifelong process, right? What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things. And and one of the things you'll notice as you've been married some time is that you and your wife have different weak, uh, different strengths and different weaknesses spiritually. Yeah. yeah. And so it is essential for you to kind of recognize those things and help each other. Uh, she helps you get to heaven. You help her get to heaven. You're on this together. You're, you're not in competition, and you're not just like, okay, you're doing your thing, I'm doing my thing, and we're we're just happen to be in the same house together, going solo. We're we're partners. We're in this together. And so, what one of the greatest gifts God gives you is a godly woman or a godly man to live with, and those persons will help you. Uh, there may be days when you're spiritual activity is kind of waning and you're not doing very good. And it's that mate that says, come on, let's, let's just do this. Or maybe days when you feel like, you know what, it's a pretty day. Uh, let's just skip church today. No, we're not skipping. We're going to go. And, and you need someone to remind you of the promises of God and where you need to be and to help you. And so again, that's where faith really makes a difference. Uh, the closer each of you get to the Lord, the closer you get to one another. And that, that principle will, will make just dividends throughout your life. As you raise kids, as you define life, as what's important to you. Uh, you take a person of the world, all they're interested in is getting as much toys, as much fun as they can. And it's all about self. But we know about how that comes out. Read Luke 16. We read about the rich man. He lived in a nice house. He had nice clothes. He ate well, but he died not knowing the Lord. And why, what advantage was there? There was no advantage. So, so this reminds us of the great avenue of faith in our, in our marriages. And the more I can help my wife's faith, the more she can help my faith, it's just the better things are going to be. It is the foundation of everything, right? And it can create momentum for generations to come. Um, Roger, before we hit the record button, you and I were talking a little bit about the example of Timothy, right? In in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul draws attention to the faith that he knew was in Timothy, and it was in his grandmother, it was in his mother. Now, we know that his father is simply described as a Greek, right? And so we understand there's an example probably of, okay, uh, there's still an effort to both get father and mother on the same page, but how that is amplified and, and provides not just a, a foundation but perhaps momentum leading into generations to come, that foundation of faith. And and again, when we think about that example with Timothy, it might have been difficult for 
his father to let him go with the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he, if, he, if he wasn't a believer, if he didn't understand these things, well, I want my son just to stay here and grow up right here, and I want him to get married and have grandkids right around me, and I, I want him to take over the business, and I want to do all this stuff. And here comes this stranger. I don't really know who he is. I don't understand this religion. I don't understand what they're doing. How that just creates all this complication. But when someone understands what a great honor, what a great privilege it is to be used in the kingdom of God. Off he goes with the Apostle Paul. Yeah. Again, the idea of faith in your marriage. And so so as we wrap up this first lesson, that's where we want to leave it. And and we want you to really think about that. What a, what a prayer of thankfulness you need to pray if your husband or wife is a Christian. Those that don't have that blessing, let's work on that. Let's see what we can do to try to get them to become the believers in Christ. And there are layers and layers of things you can do from, from having a home Bible study to bring them to services to... Praying for them every single day that their hearts would be open, their eyes will see, and that through your example, they can come to Christ. And my, that makes changes. We see it in our congregation. We see it all the time when both husband and wife are Christians. What a major, major difference that is. Roger, thanks for joining me today, and thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, When you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.